What's going on everybody? Matt here. So we're dropping an extra episode this week of the Devi Debates. We decided to post the after show where Kyle Francis of the Devi Watch, you can find him at FranchiseKF on Twitter, uh, decided to stick around for about an hour and a half with Felix, Austin, and myself and just talk Devi and Campus 2 Canton strategies, changing values and everything. It was such an intriguing and interesting conversation and in all honesty, Kyle dropped so much knowledge and just truth bombs on all three of us, we were, we were so, you know, astounded by how just incredible his mind is when it comes to this stuff that we just, we could not deprive you guys of that as well. So while usually we keep our after show stuff to the YouTube channel, we decided to post it here just because we wanted you guys to hear this conversation because it is amazing. So here is the after hour show of the Debbie Watch Party. This is Kyle McCord and you're listening to Austin, Felix, and Matt on the Debbie Debate. Welcome to the Debbie Debate. All right, boys, are we ready to debate? Austin, you tweeted something, girl. You tweeted your running back rankings. Explain yourself. Boy, that escalated quickly. I mean, that really got out of hand fast. You jumped up and... That's Austin Mace. Who is going to be that guy? And for me, B. John Robinson is still going to be that guy. with Robinson who spins and then tries to bounce it. A stiff arm, another one as he rides it, keeps his balance. They're going to say he stepped out, but I'm... I'm Felix Sharp. I know you didn't think that we would get through this episode without mentioning the name. One, Zach F. Wilson. Screener draw. Oh, Wilson. That's Matt Brody. G. Scott Jr. Obviously, I waxed poetic about him on the last episode, so I won't do that again here. And this time it's Fields on the carry. Watch out! Justin Fields! Hello, Columbus! 51 yards! Brody, are you ready to go head-to-head with me? I am. Gotta get my popcorn out here. Hold on. Gotta continue. I got it. Kyle McCord is going to end up winning the job. He's going to be rated higher. Um, well, I'm not nearly as passionate about what I'm about to talk about. Uh, our apologies to Kirk Herbstreit, who ran out of time. We'll get him rescheduled soon. And for Matt Bruning and Austin Ace, I'm Felix Sharp. Good night and good luck. Good show. All right. Yes, thank you. All right, I'm going to add Austin, and I'm going to grab my dinner really quick. So give me one sec. What's up, Austin? What's going on, guys? What's up, Austin? Good show. Good show. I hope, I hope you enjoyed I hope you enjoyed yourself that you'll come back to us uh Kyle. Yeah, no, I I I I'm I'm game to come on. I don't I don't do I don't do a ton of podcasting cuz sometimes just like the timing of it and stuff like that is uh is a little bit hard. I mean, the weather's so nice right now I can sit outside, but I'm a loud talker. I'd wake up everybody in the house if I was inside. So the podcasts I do more of, they're like, "Hey, are you available at one o'clock in the afternoon?" I'm like, <laughs> "I certainly am." Uh, so well, let me add, I got some, so we have a discord at campus and there were some things that, um, they wanted to ask you. This is from Riddler, uh, on campus to Canton, the discord. 
What are two things that the Debbie Watch team does differently today? And I think Riddler – no, that's RT. I was going to say this guy might be a retired lawyer. That's somebody else. Um, but what are two things that the Debbie Watch team does differently today than when they started that you believe is leading to improved results? That's from Riddler. Hmm. That's a good question. Um, I, I think probably something that I have championed myself – is that we appropriately rank incoming freshmen. Uh, I think that that has been something that the Devi community as a whole doesn't do very well. Um, I, I think that I am, if we're looking at a pendulum uh, on our team, I am way on the side of freshmen don't matter. And then there's others that their lifeblood is freshmen and continue to draft them. So the good news is we have six guys on the team, and so we balance each other out. It's a sort of unofficial checks and balances, and I think you guys will enjoy that as well. Um, I guess just before I get back more into his question is it's a beautiful thing because you have six intelligent, different people um, bringing their talents and their opinions to the table, but on the same side of that, it's incredibly frustrating because you have to sacrifice – some of your strong convictions for the good of the team. Um, so it's a humbling experience as well. Um, so I would say that has been one thing we've done is really tried to appropriately rank freshmen. Um, and I actually wrote uh, an addendum. Uh, if you looked at the 2024 wide receiver rankings, I actually said, hey, I really want to write up an addendum and I want to tell people we don't see a lot of potential for early production for this freshman class across the board. I mean, very, very few of them. I think you can confidently say, hey, they're going to have a really good season this year. And so um, we just chose to say, hey, we're actually not really going to evaluate opportunity. We're just going to say who we think the best guys are. And so what we elected to do was let's not have any of these guys ranked in the 30s when they're not going to produce and every year they're going to be a depreciating asset. That's just the reality of the game because every year there's more and more beautiful looking freshman receivers in particular. I mean, they just all we're watching is their highlights and they have plenty. Mm -hmm. And so if they're not going to step on the field and produce, they're depreciating as an asset one way or another. Now they could bounce back up, but why not start with them a little bit lower and then let's gradually work their way up and let's try to get the production now, see that asset appreciate when they're on the field and then go from there. So I would say one big thing has been appropriately ranking the freshmen. Um, and then if I were to say a second thing that I like that we do is now that we're doing the volume two, I actually think that that's really helpful. Um, it's really important for us to be first to market in terms of putting out a pure Debbie guide uh, this early in the season. Um, we think that that's a way just from a business standpoint, just to increase market share, uh, to, to be first. Uh, we also want it to be actionable information. You know, if we release this product in August, it's, mm -hmm. It's nice for me to toot my own horn, um, but right. it's not helping you in your draft. So I really right. like that we reevaluate after spring. We catch our breath. We have conversations with you guys and we say, hey, should we reevaluate Sean Tucker? You know, conversations like that come up. And the grind is so tedious when we're putting this thing together. By the end of it, to be honest with you, I'm just like, I don't care where you have him. Just put him in there. I'm going to sleep. You know, I, I've been doing this. I've been doing this <laughs> months, you know, like I just put yeah. him in there. Uh, and, yeah. and, and, and I'm just being real with that. You know, it's just at that point, it's a, you're just trying to not be totally apathetic and still wanting to have a high standard of excellence, but you're just ready to be done. So I, I would say adding our volume two has been something I've really appreciated that we've done as well. 
You know, I don't know if you got to the in Austin, jump in here whenever you want to. I don't know if you listened to our last show, but the way you described um, how you all rank players is is exactly how they do at 24-7. Like, it's mm-hmm. exactly how they do at 24-7. Where, I mean, it's almost kind of like the same format that they use for the Hall of Fame selection where you get a group of writers in the room and, and one writer is presenting on a player and then they kind of vote and, and argue about it. Uh, but anyway, the, um, the way that you've described uh, that your team um, ranks players is is exactly is exactly what uh what what Alan told us last week. Yeah, before right, I let Austin see. get a word in, I actually want to kind of back that up to what we do first. So, um, LJ Cheney, who was one of the founders of uh, Dynasty Football Factory, which is where we were before we started Debbie Watch, but that's where the project was birthed. Um, he worked for a while with I think the guy's name's Eric Galco. Uh, he's he's on Twitter. He's has his own scouting service. He's kind of an independent. uh, He's not really tied into the NFL, but he has influence in the NFL. LJ spent one season working for him as a regional scout, and um, they created a grading rubric that was numerical. And so it essentially goes from 10. 10 essentially means you are you're Randy Moss, right? Like that's, that's the type of prospect that we think that you're going to be. And really the threshold where we determine fantasy relevance is 6.5. That's kind of the cutoff for you're right on the edge of round three, round four. And so one of the challenges that we have is standardization because it's good that we have at least something to go on, but all three of us could look at one prospect and our scales just may be scaled differently, right? There, there may be something like I may be very, very hesitant to hand out anything above a nine, whereas you may say, no, nine's good. You know, like I, I'm, I'll give lots of nines and different things like that. And so because we have six opinions, we can't necessarily standardize it in the way that we want, but we're at least attempting to do that. So what we do first is give numerical rankings. And we want to say, let's get all of our 6.5s on a spreadsheet and work on those write-ups first. And then from there, we start saying, okay, we've got now, okay, we're at 200 and we're at 320 guys. Okay, that's too many. We need to start dialing back. And then so we kind of use those numbers to start with, lay it out on a spreadsheet. And then from there, we kind of look at that. And because we know there's differences in opinions, like one of our rankers loves true freshmen. And so he had a guy who's not going to probably have a catch until 2023 at Ohio State at a 9.5. So he would have been a first round recommendation for us but again going back to my point earlier forget about it because he all you're going to do is be mad at us if if you draft him and Mm -hmm. you know uh doesn't doesn't pop until 2023 to no fault of his own um Mm -hmm. we kind of have to parse through some of that and then we start and we say let's make our first tier and we kind of like that to be 12 ish i mean just because it's kind of a, a clean round and then we kind of our tiers get larger so let's aim small miss small let's get roughly 10 to 15 guys then let's go maybe 10 to 15 20 again in tier 2 and then we kind of break it down that way and so then once we have our tiers set all of us rank those guys within the tier so then we take those averages parse out our tiers the other benefit to that is 
if all of us have the guy at the end of a tier, like we unanimous, we unanimously agree this is the worst guy in the tier, then we have a specific discussion about them. Should he be down a tier and at the top? Like, is our tier really articulating what our true belief of this player is? And so, again, because we have all these checks and balances, it allows us to hopefully communicate uh, the way we feel about players from a ranking standpoint. But again, it's mm-hmm. always going to be imperfect. You're just trying to, we're just trying to limit our imperfections. That uh, what you described is wanting to rank um, the, the top 12, because that's around, that's exactly why they give, they give 32, five. Is that right? Austin? Is that what he mm-hmm. said? They give 32, yeah. five stars. They will only give 32, five stars to reflect um, the first 32 picks in the NFL draft. So yeah, that's cool. Um, yeah. That's top, good. Uh, we, we actually didn't know that. So that's kind of neat that that's the way they, they do it as well. Austin, I've got other questions here, but I, you've been listening. I want you to, uh, uh, Get in here. I got some other questions from the Discord, though. So go ahead, Austin. Well, Matt, Matt said he had a follow up like seven minutes ago. You hopped in ahead of him. Oh, thanks, but <laughs> no, I don't it's even fine. know. I've been going oh, in yeah. and out. Like, I'm like, I don't I know if Matt is here dinner. or not. So. I was eating. I didn't want you guys to just sit here and watch me <laughs> shoveling food down my face. So I thought it'd be polite to put myself off camera. No, I just want, and this is going to obviously change because you were talking about Debbie with the freshmen. But since you play so much campus to Canton, mm-hmm. how does your evaluation change for freshmen with that format? I'm pretty similar. Um, I've only in now also keep in mind. I mean, I'm, I'm relatively still new to the space. I didn't know what a dynasty league was or Debbie was until 2017. So I'm only four years in before I even knew what these things were. And they kind of forced me in some ways to join dynasty football factory. I was like, guys, I don't really have any desire really to get in this space. I like talking about football, but like, I'm not a huge fantasy gamer. And, uh, I just liked the guys to be honest with you. I just clicked with them and I'm kind of like, all right, you know, like I'll give it a shot. We're talking football, do it. And then it just kind of evolved into something where I, I liked the strategy. I liked the challenge of it. And because I didn't know anything, it was good to just kind of almost like doing a startup business where you're just growing the thing from the beginning. And so, um, but yeah, I'm kind of the same way in campus to Canton as well. Uh, really the only slots I use for freshmen is if you give me five free taxi slots at the end, then I'll just backfill those later. But I'm, I'm, I'm not drafting hardly any premier names. I mean, really the only premier names that I have that I take as freshmen. Now I, I take that back. Um, Spencer Rattler I took with a first-round pick, but that's because I try to have a, a chokehold on the Oklahoma quarterback room. Just philosophically, I want as many of those guys backfilled, and I was a huge Spencer Rattler fan in college. So he's one of the few guys I've spent a pick on, but, I mean, really the guys that have any name cachet that I have on my campus to Canton Leagues would be Hudson Card because I really wanted Sam Ellinger's heir um and uh and then uh josh downs um because i i love him as a player and i um i wanted daz newsome's air uh in the slot that we saw aj brown dominate in and then daz newsome and so it's one of the most historically profitable college fantasy roles and in my opinion he's as skilled as any wide receiver in college football he just hadn't been able to show it yet um but i mean really other than that i i i have some I mean, Imani Bailey at Louisiana Lafayette, Alan Horace at UTSA, who was a tight end. He didn't do anything, but I was convinced last year he had a shot. So I kind of have some scrubs, but I I just don't really 
DeAndre Swift is the only freshman I've ever taken in a, in a Debbie draft. Um, that's because I knew that I knew that I knew he was going to be what he was. Um, but I just generally avoid it. Okay. So are you a big Caleb Williams guy then? Talking about the Oklahoma quarterbacks, because you're going to have to spend an early pick on him too, and I don't think he's, you know, Rattler was kind of unrefined coming out of high school to a point, but, you know, if you consider him unrefined, then Caleb Williams is, you know, like unbelievably just raw. Part of, part of it for me in, in the in the campus, the Canton League, where I have Rattler, um, just thinking about it strategically. So I drafted Patrick Mahomes on the NFL side when he was a rookie. So I had Mahomes, and then I think I took like Rivers and Trubisky. So I was getting by, right? I had three quarterbacks on a super flex. And then from there, I've since added Lamar Jackson was my first pick I ever took and the campus side. In 2017, Lamar Jackson was my first round pick, and they laughed me out of the chat. They're like, you're an idiot. What are you doing? And I had no idea what I was doing. I actually drafted a terrible team. I went way too heavy college fantasy, and I'm, I actually still subscribe to that theory of building college fantasy heavy. The problem was I wasn't very good at college fantasy. So I was zigging when everyone else was zagging, but I'm not nearly as informed then as I was now. And so I look back at that draft and I just feel sick. I'm like, oh my gosh, what was I thinking? What I learned shortly thereafter is I just, in Campus to Canton, I'm on the waiver wire I'm 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 churning players in campus to can. I'm 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 not I'm not looking for many NFL stashes. If I don't think you can have a thousand yards, you don't have a place on my team, period the end. Unless you are a Caleb Williams who I know you are going to be the heir to a top five college fantasy production offense moving forward. So I'm more willing to draft backups and wait a year or two, knowing okay, they're gonna get there, but um to answer your question about Caleb Williams, I'm honestly pretty behind on the freshman class just because I don't care about them. Um, I'm only assigned my guys for the Debbie watch. I don't really watch guys beyond that. I'm about to start because now I'm getting into spring ball, but I'm about to fully switch gears to college fantasy mode. And then I'm going to need to get more up to date with the freshmen. So I don't really have many strong takes. I, I, I like what I've seen from him, but I mean, yeah, he definitely doesn't look like a super refined player yet. I probably won't use a pick on him because my NFL side isn't, I'm about to add Rattler to that. So every week I'm going to be, I, I didn't finish my thought earlier. So every week, once Rattler comes up, I'm going to decide between Mahomes, Lamar, Kyler, and Rattler. In the Super <laughs> That's Bowl. the team I was telling you guys about the other day where you <laughs> yeah, posted it on Twitter told, at one point. Told, I was like, his yeah. worst player is like Tyree yeah. kill or something. Like yeah. That. No, <laughs> yeah. And, and I took, I actually, I actually was looking at it. So hold on. This is just a, uh, I'm, I'm not a big braggart guy, but I was looking at this. I took that. Year, I, show. Go ahead, man. I took Christian McCaffrey in the third. I took Devonte Adams in the fifth. I took Kamara in the sixth. I took Hill in the seventh. I took Mahomes in the eighth. So, then I've, you know, since then added on um, like just guys like David Montgomery and, you know, college guys that I really liked a lot that I've just beefed it up. And then so and, and you guys know this. I, if you want to be an NFL player, you probably need to be a high producer in college. Yes. Like it's, it's yes. just, I'm not saying they're mutually exclusive. Um, but Felix, I believe, is it you that likes Jalen Darden? Have I heard you talk about him? Have I seen that mm -hmm. from you or am I misremembering? Yeah. That? But I mean, to me, uh -huh. 
he he kind of goes back to the Dante Wright example and the George Holani example. I mean, Jalen Darden's on all my college fantasy teams and my C2C teams. Do I expect to start him in the NFL? No, I hope not. But I mean, if he pops like Darnell Moody, I could slide him in there and in the flex spot. But I would much rather have that high, high-end college production. And if you can appreciate beyond that, and if you score 20 touchdowns, you're going to get a look. Um so, yeah, for I kept me, tweeting yeah. at Jim Nagy, like trying to get Jalen Darden to the uh, to the senior bowl. But he's a, he's a good but, player, man. He, he could he yeah. could be one of those outliers that could do some damage. He's 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 a dangerous player. And I admittedly I like, you know, I fall in love with these deep prospects. I, I wanted to ask you about uh, Jake Hayner. Uh, but he's in the in the other division. But I'm I just found out about Jake Hayner. I don't I don't want to get to my questions because we do have some discord. But if you could talk about Jake Hayner and at the same time, how wide is the gap between Bijan Robinson and the other 2023 RBs? Hayner and, and RBs between <laughs> Bijan Robinson. Is this is this one for me? I don't I don't want to just keep yeah. talking this, until that's yapping. Okay. Yeah. Oh yeah, you're our guest. This no, is, yeah, we, okay. we had a we had a massive debate about Hayner the other day. We don't yeah. we don't need to we don't need to drudge that back up. So that's I, all I, you. I don't have an opinion about him as an NFL prospect. I haven't looked at him through that lens. Um, I think he's going to be really productive this season um, in that offense, which again I think will probably get him on the radar. Um, but he's not a player that, you know, he's, he transferred from Washington, right? Is that right? Yeah. 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 So, I mean, I know, I know enough about these guys cause I cover all the teams, but he's not a guy that I've spent much time on. So I, I'm, if I don't know about a guy, I'll just say, I don't know. Okay. Well, you know, if you take a look at, I might ha- later in the season, I might have to reach back out to you. I'll, I'll, you I'll hit you, I'll hit you up after I look at, at, at the mountain West. I'll give you some thoughts. Um, okay. And then to answer the next question, um, I'm probably How wide the, is the gap? How wide is the gap? Not wide for me. I mean, because at the end of the day, think about the conversations that we're having now. I don't want to speak out of turn, but let's assume there's a big three in this rookie class right now. Okay. You've got Najee Harris, Javante Williams, Travis Etienne. Let's assume that the market generally thinks those are the top three. There's a lot of people that could be swayed to put any one of those guys in the first spot, depending on where they land. I mean, I, I, I care a lot about landing spot, maybe too much, but uh, it's significant to me. And so I don't think we should get too locked in about a prospect. If you look to me that you're going to be, you know, a, a first or second round running back, then I'm, I'm, I'm not going to get too dialed in. Um, I had Robinson ahead of all of them, but I think that I had Tank next. And if, if someone wanted to trade with me, uh, if I had uh, Robinson and, and well, I, I don't even know if I'm going to say that right, but essentially if I could get tank plus something else, not even mm-hmm. huge, I'd make that trade. I mean, so to me, to me, there's not a huge, there's not a huge gap. Uh, one last one. Um, Max Borgie, any chance to rise up draft backup draft boards? So that's from dynasty PJ. And that oh, other yeah. question on Bijan was from Jester 388. I just want to make sure I'm throwing that out there, but this is from dynasty PJ. Does Max Borgie have a chance to rise back up dra- draft boards? Well, Austin and I are the only ones that we go back. We go back years uh, now. So he's, Austin's Austin's known my love for Borgie for for a lot of years. Uh, I actually covered him as an incoming freshman and fell in love with him. Um, so I was super high on him. Um, I would say I've learned a couple of lessons since then. The first being he still hasn't tipped the scales at 200 yet, which is insane to me because he's so powerful. 
but he still hasn't put 200 on the board and he's now entering year four. So again, kind of going back to my comment earlier about Ely, he's a lot closer. He's been hovering around 199, um, 198, 199 the whole time he's been in school. So he would need to add a little bit more weight. Um, the other phenomenon, and I'm going to deep dive this a little bit, but I've just kind of discovered this anecdotally is we're almost never seeing the NFL take a running back who plays in an air raid or an iteration of the air raid in rounds. Bo- his predecessor, Booby, Booby Williams. I yeah. thought Booby Williams was going to get drafted. Right. But I mean, it's, not, it's it's not just them. I mean, think literally think about that. Go back and look at recent drafts. You know, just pull up drafthistory.com and look at it. And if you remember their college schemes, almost none of them drafted in the early rounds, which is, again, all I care about, played in an air raid scheme. For whatever reason, I think the NFL either undervalues or struggles to properly evaluate them could be a nicer way to say it. Um, and so that's just something I recently started really kind of chewing on this cycle. Um, because I like a lot of those backs. I mean, I look at guys like that. I'm like, Max Borgie could make any NFL team better. I can say that with confidence. He, he, he would be an upgrade. I'm not saying he would necessarily be like the feature guy, but his pass catching ability and what he's able to do, he would make any NFL team better. He takes a backseat to no one there. Um, So I would say, yes, he still has a chance, but my confidence level with him is, was it waxing or waning? It's decreasing every year. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. I really liked Joquivius Marks last year too, but, you know, obviously the same thing, you know, going to Mississippi or yeah, Mississippi state. Yeah. So the same, yeah. The same scheme that, that Borgie was in where it's like, Hey, you're going to make your 60 catches, which to me, I'm like NFL, open your eyes, you know, like if for no other reason, use them like Naheem Hines, you know, if you want to get a Jonathan Taylor, do it. But Naheem Hines could play on any team as well. He he's a value add, uh, but that doesn't necessarily translate to fantasy, which is what we care about most. And more important than that, if you want to translate to fantasy, you have to translate to the NFL's opinion of players. And so I've learned that my opinions matter very little. The opinions of the NFL matter everything. I've been wondering how much of that is like chicken and egg. You know, are those guys getting recruited to air raid because they uh, fall flat in the face of higher level evaluators or is, you know, once they go there, are they less desirable because they never develop a certain way? I, I've been going back and forth in that for a while because the wide receivers are like that too. You know, you don't really see air raid wide receivers succeed that much. Mike Leach has really only produced what um, Crabtree in yeah. all his years of coaching. You know, and it's similarly with other you know, air raid, serious air raid style offenses. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you. And I, I don't I don't have a good answer there. I, I know that McCaffrey, uh, I mean, excuse me, Borgie, I was a Freudian slip there. Uh, but I, 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 I know I've angered a lot of people over the years because I made the white on white comparison. But I mean, to me, they were they remind me of one another. I mean, they really do. I mean, he Borgie even says he idolized him. He was recruited by the the Stanford running back coach who handpicked McCaffrey. I mean, there's a lot of similarities in terms of what they could be. Now, I don't think Borgie is going to be that level of player, but I mean, in terms of how you can deploy a guy. Um, so yeah, I mean, for whatever reason, I think Borgie could have gone a lot of other places, but if I were advising someone now and they were a running back, I would say, don't go to an air raid because it's going to hurt your chances moving forward. So we asked uh, Alan true this last week and I want to, I want to ask you, was there a player uh, that didn't make it into the Debbie watch guy that you peti- petitioned hard for? There's a guy that you really wanted to get in. You really liked what you saw him, but for whatever reason, he just didn't make it into the guide. 
No, because we 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 have enough guys that make it that if you want to pound the table for someone, we'll let you have them in. We got two hundred and you know we may we may have gotten to two hundred and sixty five, and then there were twelve guys that people were like, please put them in. And I'm like, I don't care, whatever. You want to write them up? That's your time, not mine. You know, go ahead and throw them in there at the end. So because our process is a little bit different now, if we had to cut it off at a hundred, then yeah, maybe there would be guys that I would feel more adamantly, you know, they should be in there. But just by virtue of how many guys we put in, we kind of give each other that graciousness to, okay, throw them in there. So, yeah. I get that. That's like Jake Hayner with Felix. We just kind of let him put him in there because he's not going to have any kind of <laughs> well, well, we 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 actually we actually do something where <clears throat> when we when when we do our rankings call, we we call it internally we call it we say play your card. So essentially, there's no limit on cards. You just don't be a jerk about it. But you, have, if you essentially say, I'm playing my card on Jace McClellan, mm-hmm. then you're essentially saying, I'm stamping him into this tier. And if we want to fight about it, I got an hour. Let's go, everybody. Let's go five on one. I'm willing. You know, I accept the challenge. Um, and so we allow one another to say, and that's just what we call it. We just say, play your card. And so someone will be like, hey, I'm playing my card, put them in that tier. And so it's as simple as that. I mean, it's a six person, imperfect, more art than science. And we say, okay, put them in there. And sometimes I can look at that and say, oh my gosh, what did we just do? Or sometimes I'm the guy doing it and they're looking at me. Sometimes we look smart. Sometimes we're like, hey, Kyle's an idiot. You know, so it's give and take. I feel like that's us with me on Grant Gannell, just standing alone on that (laughs) island that he's going to be good. And everybody's telling me I'm an idiot. That was uh, that was the one we had the biggest argument about the other. We did like a whole ranking summit for kind of what you guys you're talking mm-hmm. about you do. We tried to do it live for like just to give an idea of what we did and how we got to our process. And that was our big big battle was between Grant Gannell and Jake Hayner because right. Felix is all in love with him, and I think Gannell. I, I mean, I know he hasn't produced, but I think a lot of that is weird year last year didn't get to play that much. He was split in time with Khalil Tate as a freshman. Yeah, finally is now starting what I think is a great offense for his skill set. I, yeah. I think he's gonna blow up this year yeah, so he's, i'm, he's, I'm big he's, he's gonna produce i mean he's a power five talent in a, a really quarterback friendly scheme so i mean i think both of you guys could look good from a production standpoint this year now whether or not either of them can evolve I, you know into See, I, I think hayner I, I i think hayner is a day two quarterback i think he could potentially be a day two quarterback um you know he's got the mobility. He can throw off platform. He uh, he's got a little bit of Konami code, and then he's he's going to be super productive in that Fresno State in that Fresno State offense. So um, I really I I, re- I can't wait to watch uh, the Mountain West this year. I can tell you I tell you this and looking through like I'm always like I always get intrigued with the deep prospects. It's just like you know Levante Bellamy, uh, Jonathan Ward. Um, go deeper than that. Uh, Pete, uh, Pete Guerrero. Like these are, it's just these story, these guys that I fall, that I fall in love with. Uh, Mike, Mike Warren out of Cincinnati. Um, I don't have to dig that deep, but Xavier Betts out of, out of Nebraska. Like I've really been plugging hard for him. And I think you guys had him in the thirties or forties for wide receivers. And I was like, yes, finally somebody that says like this kid who just made, you know, he made like three or four plays last year, but you look at his body, you look at his athleticism and what they have around him there at Nebraska. I'm like, this, this, this is a good player. This is a really good player. And I know that you don't cover the Big Ten, but I was just, I'm just saying, like, going through the Debbie watch, I was like, yeah, I'm glad that somebody 
likes, you know, one of these players that I'm really high on. Well, you're you're in luck there because he was one of my randomly assorted freshmen. So when he was a freshman. Oh, yeah, okay. So I, I lobbied to get him in as a true freshman. Um, so I, I agree with you. I like him. And, and just to give a matter of perspective in terms of where we'll have him uh, or where we're truly valuing, we're, we're in the middle of doing a 2023 only Devi mock right now. And so I think bets either just got taken at the end of the third round of only his class or is about to be taken. So that's kind of our rough valuation if you're looking at like, okay, he probably looks like if we're forecasting rookie drafts out, he's probably a, a, a marginal day two pick at this point with the opportunity to grow beyond. Okay, for, good for me. Yeah. Good for me. So, Austin, you got anything else? Uh, No, I don't think so. Um, I just want to I mean, like, just like, it's like a fire hose. The whole show is just like a fire hose. <laughs> The show was a lot of fun. Yeah, just and yeah. I, I knew that Dre Archer answer because I'm a huge Steelers fan. I was like, as soon as you said, I was like, Dre Archer, Dre Archer, Dre Archer. He, did. he posted it in the comments. I just didn't put it on there because I didn't know it and I didn't want Felix to get it by me throwing it up there. So I was just wanted to yeah. see because I had no idea who it was. So I was like, I'll just leave it off and see if, if, if Felix can guess it. I would have gotten it if I had. N- I just didn't realize Dre Archer was a second round draft pick. I think he was a third round. I think he was a third round. Oh, third round. Okay. Okay. Might have been the same year we took Sanquez Golson in the second and we took Archer in the third, I think. It was not a great year for our day two picks, but our day, our round one pick, it was somebody, Bud Dupree maybe. It was somebody that ended up being really good. So it ended up equaling out in the end. Hey, you you guys, you 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 had something on on the show sheet. So before I answer the question, I'm going to ask you guys a question, okay? Okay. Tell me what these names have in common. All right. I'm going to read off a few names here. Donovan Peoples-Jones, Joseph Lewis, Jeff Thomas, Trevin Grimes, Tyjan Lindsay, DJ Matthews, Jamon Osbon, Justin Shorter, Darian Kendrick, Devin Williams, Jordan Adams, Marquise Spiker, Brennan Eagles, Dom Blaylock, Kyle Ford, Jeremiah Payton. $20 Twenty dollars to yeah. anybody who tells me if they can tell me what all those guys have in common. A high spark score? <laughs> nope. No. No, because Trevin Grimes is in there. I don't think Trevin Grimes has a. I bet he does. Weight adjusted. What's weight adjusted? I bet he has a pretty nice one. Mm. I, I mean, no I, I almost want to go all to the same high school, school or something. Idea. I've got no idea. Nope. This is this is in response to your 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 uh, Demond Demas question. So yeah. Oh, Don, Demon Demons, what the hell? Uh-huh. All of those guys that I just named were 24-7 sports composite top 10 receivers in the 2017, 2018, and 2019 classes. Yeah. So that's 16 names right there of, of a potential 30. 16 total turds, right? Like like uh that no 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 Devi assets in that group. And so Mm. that's, that kind of, again, goes to speak to why I just avoid freshmen like the plague and why I avoid freshman receivers in particular. Think about this. Think about how much experience as a scout Alan true has to use him for an example, infinitely more than I do probably infinitely more than all of us do. 
you know, as a scout, extremely experienced. Now, not just his experience in scouting and his primary profession, think about the level of access that he has to these players, their coaches, the camps, their teammates, their everybody. Mm -hmm. So think about how informed these guys are relative to us. And then think about over 50% are going to be irrelevant from a fantasy standpoint as it comes to the game that we play. And so the reason why I brought all of that up is, is, you know, I know that Demas was, he was ranked third within that class in terms of composite uh, on that list. But I just don't know that there's any guarantee that the merits of someone in high school are necessarily going to directly translate to becoming a fantasy asset. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I highlighted him and and a couple of the things that I think uh, kind of work not in his favor. Again, going back to my analogy of there's a lot of people that really, really value breakout age. Well, he's currently 20 years old right now. He was 20 years old as a freshman. He'll be 21 by Thanksgiving as a sophomore. He'll be 22 and a half on draft day. And what I like to do when I'm thinking about things, as much as I hate Twitter right now, and as much as I don't ever care to hear about a rookie again for the rest of my life, think about the narratives that we're hearing on Twitter right now and then apply them to Debbie. So we hear about BMI, we hear about breakout age, we hear about all of these things. Whether there's actually signal to that and it matters, it doesn't, it doesn't really matter because it matters within the market. Like that impacts their market valuation for fantasy owners, which is what we care about. And so, you know, I, I think at a, at a minimum, he's going to have, it's highly unlikely he breaks out next season. So he's not going to have a true mm-hmm. breakout age. His, his breakout age probably comes at age 22, which puts mm-hmm. him in a really, really dangerous bucket from, from a historical standpoint. Then the other issues that he has are, here's the reality. He hasn't caught a pass in a football game since 2018 Three years he, yeah. missed his, mm-hmm. he, he missed he missed his season he played in four games didn't make a catch this season this isn't this isn't exactly the alabama wide receiver room he was competing against it wasn't like he couldn't carve out a role but he did nothing okay mm-hmm. he had covid it's a pandemic okay i'm willing to look past that to a certain degree but then you get to the issue of And this is, again, where I agree and disagree with the cliche that gets thrown around is people say, scout the player, not the helmet. Agree in theory. Don't always agree in execution of that because the reality is if you play at a premier program, you have scouts' eyes on you from the day you step in the door because they're scouting your seniors. The NFL is there watching you for years and years and years, talking to your coaches, doing everything like that. And again, is it chicken or egg? But there's a reason why we see guys from that are playing in the you know college football playoffs every year being drafted pretty highly after. You know, one is because. They are probably a high pedigree recruit to go to those schools to be an elite program. So they start off above a lot of others. But then secondarily beyond that is the end of the day, it's a people driven business. These are human people that are scouts that are doing their best to relay their concerns, their excitement to upper middle management and and trying to communicate to them. And so 
there's only so much scouting you can do at a place like Fresno State or at Nevada because they don't have the type of prospects where they have four years worth of scouts cataloging those guys. And so I actually have started to kind of subscribe more towards if the NFL is showing me that they're not taking players from a certain program or maybe they're souring on players from a program like the University of Washington, maybe uh, specifically with some of their offensive skill players who have turned into duds in the NFL. Uh, I mean, I would say the majority of us here would be surprised that Gaskin and Ahmed essentially went undrafted or whatever they did. Um, that would have been unheard of in Debbie circles a few years ago to say that. Um, but I do think that there is an element of the NFL is looking at these guys and, hey, for whatever reason, these guys aren't translating the same way as maybe they are at another program. So that's another thing with Jimbo Fisher. He's never had an NFL fantasy relevant wide receiver. Never one. Uh, they haven't had a thousand yard receiver under him. Uh, no, excuse me. I'm looking past seven years. So perhaps be before that. I was going to say Kelvin Benjamin is the only one I can think of. Yeah. That's that's a Jimbo yeah. guy. They it, this and then Green was like a fourth round draft pick for the drag for the Jaguars, but so they they, never they had that, relevant. They had that foul. They had that thousand yard receiver, whoever it was, in I, I believe it was 2013 at Florida State, and since then they haven't fostered another thousand yard receiver. I actually pulled up the numbers. Hold on, let me let me look at this. So. The average, um, the the average wide receiver one under Jimbo over the past seven seasons: fifty-eight catches, eight hundred and twenty-one yards, and six touchdowns. Only one of them has reached a thousand yards. So, already there. If if we figure you're going to the NFL and you don't have a thousand-yard reception ledger at all, and you're older. And, you know, a few other things like that. I mean, he's 6'3", 180. So he's jealous of, of Devontae Smith's girth. So, I mean, you know, those are just all things for me where it's it's easy for me to cut bait on a player like that until they prove me otherwise. Like, I'm okay if he becomes everything we thought he was going to be in terms of just this freak athlete, incredible player. If he evolves into that just based on my process i'm okay with missing on that i'm not okay chasing that at a premium pick we had him ranked 35th overall last season and, and again that goes back to my point where i really fought for us this year his his ceiling last year his realistic ceiling was 25 or 30 catches in a regular season not even the pandemic factored in i mean that that's just the reality that was his ceiling and then if he did that, yeah, maybe he stays up a little bit. But then if he tanks a year, man, you're 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 there's no quicker way to lose money than on a freshman receiver. That's just really good stuff. I mean, that's just really good stuff. I don't have him rostered anywhere, and now I'm like thinking about where I have him ranked. Well, well, I mean, I think especially with what you guys are doing in a campus to Canton format, it's highly unlikely that. Uh, if if anything, his touches this year could go more towards a guy like Baylor Cup, you know, who was more highly rated at tight end than any other player in the country. But he hasn't been able to play because he's been hurt his whole time. So his value is crashed. And then they have Jalen Weidermeyer, who I personally believe is the best tight end in this upcoming rookie class. Um, and so, so then you have then you then you have Anaya Smith, who I think is a phenomenal player. Um, and then the Isaiah Spiller is going to be getting the ball. Haynes King's going to be running the ball. I mean, where, where is his realistic upside this year? So especially in campus to Canton formats, 
I mean, I always roster Jimbo backs, and that's part of the reason why I really like LJ Johnson. He would be a problem. I was just going to ask. Yeah, yeah. okay. He would, for, so. for me, he would be a guy that I would pay up for because he's not going to have as much name cachet, but I will try to draft LJ Johnson in Campus to Cant Leagues this year because I can just let him – I can let him rest, and then I'm going to get a 1,000-yard receive – thousand yard season as a sophomore thousand yards as a junior then he's going to the nfl so i can feel really confident about his trajectory on both the campus and canton side of things and i think that katie flower highlighted his verified measurables i mean he's over 200 pounds i think he had a 34 inch vertical and a four is it a four four five five i mean i'm just remembering the last show i think that those yeah yeah yeah, those were his verified his verified measurables so i I was i was I was actually bummed because I covered, um, I think his name's Amari Daniels. He's one of the kids down from uh, Miami that he committed before LJ Johnson did to Texas A&M. And I love the like 5'8", 200. If you're 5'8", 200, you got a fan in me. I just love the like Edward Solaire. Like I'll just, I'll watch you play. But um, I really liked him and I was thinking, okay, I don't really think Devin Akane is going to be anything more than a change of pace guy for them. So someone is going to step into massive opportunity in the college and NFL side in 2022 and 2023 for Texas A&M. So I was kind of thinking, okay, maybe it's Daniels. And I hadn't really watched LJ Johnson. And then I saw that he was between Texas and Texas A&M. And I'm like, well, he's an idiot if he goes to Texas because (laughs) he's going to sit behind Bijan. But I said, he's got one year to wait and then he can, you know, be a Jimbo Fisher back, which means you're going to the NFL guaranteed. Um, and so when, then I started watching him, I'm like, holy smokes, this guy's, this guy's real good. Okay. I got to adjust my freshman rankings then. <laughs> so to, to answer your question, Felix, you have him at 24 right now. I pulled up our I have LJ Johnson at 24. No, no. Demas or Demas. Oh, Demas. Okay. It. Me yeah. and Colin are actually a little bit lower on him. Everybody else. I have him at 31. Colin has him at 34. And then, uh, Austin has him at 28. Yeah. I just, I, 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 for for me, he 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 he's he's not even he's not on any radar for me in any capacity for me personally. Is there anything else on the show sheet? I mean, I want to get everything. Like, let's just keep squeezing. If you got something else that you that you prepared, you know, give uh, it give it to me. Um, I'm, I'm 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 scrolling. At the same time, I want to be you know respectful of your time. But at this, but if you if you've got it, we'll take it. <laughs> Okay, I'll, I'll I'll go I'll go one more. Uh, Matt Corral. Um, yes. Okay. Okay. So um, I actually had just written this up in an excerpt. So I'm I'm gonna I'm just gonna read you what I recently wrote. Matt Corral was one of my favorite quarterback recruits in recent years. He's got an NFL toolbox and he showed a lot of good and some bad in his first full year as a starter in 2020. Aside from the well-known names at the top of the quarterback board, I'd be most inclined to take a shot on Corral and his potential as a dual threat weapon that could be selected in the first round of the draft. The only thing that Corral lacks relative to Zach Wilson is a consistent final season of college football. The opportunity for that still exists. Yes. So I kind of, if I'm looking at the quarterback landscape, um, I actually personally would, would I'm, I'm okay if you did a big four tier. Like I'm okay with with Rattler, Howell, DJ, Young. I'm an Alabama fan, and I honestly am probably a little bit more critical on Alabama fans. I'm kind of the anti-homer. Um, but Young didn't look great in mop-up duty last year. He just didn't. 
at no point did he do anything that led me to believe like, oh, maybe we made a mistake with Mac Jones. Maybe, maybe, maybe they should have gone with, with Bryce. And I think now obviously Mac Jones emerged into something that surprised the overwhelming majority of us. But when, when, I, when I look at the, the quarterback landscape, if I'm just talking about a Debbie draft and I've never drafted a, a quarterback in, in a Debbie draft personally. That's another thing that I just have never done. Um, and campus to Canton, I will, but, but not, not pure Debbie. Um, okay. So if you're looking at those four, those are the four guys that I can feel really confident. Hey, they have franchise potential. Rattler, Howell, um, again, DJ and Bryce. So beyond that, the numbers show us that more guys than that due to scarcity at the position and demand. And I believe you guys have those three in one tier and Bryce in a single, if I remember that correctly, we we gave, we gave young his own tier because we wanted to, right. He's, he's, he's the best of the rest, but we're not, we, I I need to see a little more. Um, and he'll, my guess is he, he, he will ascend to there. So if you're listening to this and you're looking at this, I would have no problem taking young uh, amongst that. That was maybe splitting hairs a little bit, but we also kind of liked that line of demarcation for them. But I would say that if I'm looking at other guys that really have potential, um, I mean, I'm really thinking for me, if I'm betting on it, it's a group of two and it's actually Matt Corral and it's JT Daniels for me. And I think that there's plenty of flaws with both guys. There's plenty of flaws with everybody, you know, but I think in terms of those would be the six guys I'd find myself most willing to bet on. Now I could speculatively make a bet on a few other guys, but in terms of just a Debbie draft, those would be the six guys that would comprise any guys that I would truly personally consider drafting in in that format. Now we already touched on some of the other guys that I think could ascend, um, we touched on Keaton Slovis for a minute. I'll be frank on my opinion of him. I don't think he's an NFL quarterback. Um, I, I just, yeah, I just, I just, if he, and I wrote this down on the show sheet, but we didn't, we didn't talk about it. I said, you know, if he were drafted in the first round, if he had the opportunity to be a franchise quarterback, if he was a starting quarterback in the NFL, I would have no problem saying he would be the least physically gifted starter in the NFL. I mean, would, would anyone disagree with that? Makes no, Joe Burrow look like Michael Vick, as I. Yeah. That's what that's what Austin said <laughs> yeah. the other night. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, Burrow, Burrow, Burrow's an athlete, though. I, I, you know, but I mean, so that's not even fair. I mean, I agree with you. Yeah, he does. He does make him look like Mike Vick. But I mean, I just think with Slovis, I mean, I just don't think. I mean, he's had shoulder issues for two years running now. His mechanics are so bad that he essentially has gotten dead arm twice in the past two years. And uh, I just I think he's got a pop gun arm. I just don't think he can make any throw that you want to consistently see in the NFL. Um, I think that he popped as a freshman and, the, and that got everyone excited. He plays in an air raid. So he's going to be probably a top 20 college fantasy quarterback. But I personally just don't see a next level for him. And, and he was another guy that I think we ranked too highly. But we have at least two guys, possibly three that like him. And so. Um, that, that wasn't up to me, but I, I just kind of wanted to touch on him as well. I just, I, I don't see, I don't, I don't see him as a next level guy. I mean, I think he's, he's fine. He's fine to throw to NFL receivers and an air raid at USC where you're going to have a talent edge most games, but, uh, you know, I, 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 don't. I like, I like Corral also. 
and I compared him. I think it was, yeah, it was in part one of that article to um, Jameis Winston, and whether or not he is a better or worse um, prospect than Jameis Winston. I think he has all of the physical tools. I think Zach Zach Wilson is a good comparison there, mm-hmm. but he just makes really bad decisions at oh, times. Yeah, yeah. The same I'm- way. Winston did, but that didn't stop Winston from one being a number one overall pick or two being a quarterback one in NFL fantasy. It so. didn't it didn't stop the NFL from taking Jordan Love, who led the NCAA in interceptions in the first round. So, I mean, I think at least one franchise, I don't want to say all franchises will look past that, but all it takes is one, you know, mm-hmm. uh, yep. and, and I mean, I, I think in terms of giftedness, and he's got the arm strength, the arm talent to, yeah, he, to for a he, franchise to fall in love with. He, at the high school in the opening, he he threw a ball seventy seven yards. He he won the he he won the the long throw contest. He's got a howitzer for an arm. Um, yeah, and and so I mean, and he runs well. Uh, he's yeah. at a pro he's at a program where they've had scouts there. All these guys are watching Elijah Moore now, and they're going, "Wait, mm-hmm. what's this quarterback? This guy's got some goods. Mm-hmm. Oh, he's a four star. Oh, Lane Kiffin. Okay, let's 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 dig in a little bit." And that's what I mean more about the helmets. I guess to put a prettier bow on that. Sometimes it does it does help to scout the helmets because the reality is all 32 teams are looking at Elijah Moore right now and then they're looking at the guy throwing in the ball and that matters. The disadvantage for guys like Carson Strong and Jake Hayner have relative to those is nobody's watching anybody on their team right now and so it's going to take consistent massive seasons to really get noticed unless it's a Jordan Love type thing but that, that I mean to me that was that was a that was I I don't know what happened there that was insanity. Kyle, I want to thank you for having you on, man. Um, I, yeah. I, I, we have to do this again. I hope that you enjoyed yourself. We did. I hope that you will come on with us. You know, as we get closer to the fall, we just started this podcast in November, and you know, it feels like people are really um, responding well to it, and they're going to respond well to this. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm, I'm just really I'm glad to be on. So, yeah, I'll have to, I'll have to check it out. I. I do so much football that I don't really listen to fantasy football podcasts that much. I'll just nerd out and listen to science podcasts. I like all sorts of weird stuff. I'm a weird dude, but uh, uh, but I'll, I'll be I'll be sure to check you check you guys out, and I'd love to I'd love to come back and and do it again. I uh, have enjoyed talking with all you guys, and truly do hope that you know everything takes off. If you guys ever have any questions about what we did well uh, launching a site, what we would do differently, um, I, I, I'm happy, and I can speak for the team and say, you know, we're happy to lend any um, potential wisdom we have from that standpoint. I appreciate awesome. it. All, you know, yeah. us three and the the other three um, for the campus to Canton team, we, we appreciate that offer also. So yeah. sure thing. All right, man. We'll catch you later. Appreciate it. All right, guys. Later. All right. All right, Chris. Oh, man. <sighs> Let's see. Intercepted by Eli Apple at the 25, and Apple will go to the ground at the 32, and that's it. Ohio State national champions for the eighth time as they defeat Oregon 42 to 20. Here's Tua stepping back, loads up, looks long, throws, end zone, touchdown, touchdown Alabama, Devontae Smith, touchdown Alabama, and the Crimson Tide has once again.
once again ascended to the top of the college football mountain. Their fifth national championship in nine years. Their 17th overall. Watson takes a snap, rolls right, looks at the end zone. Hunter up, caught it! Touchdown! 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 With a second left, Watson hits Renfro and Clemson grabs a 34-31 lead and is one second away from the second national championship in school history. Hill. Just in front of his end zone, has a man out there, it is Ranger, and he's off to the races! Nobody will catch him! <laughs> 93 yards for the freshman! He made the adjustments in the second quarter. Dobbins again, more than 10 yards per carry, he'll add to that! Goodbye, touchdown Ohio State. From 52 yards. 